This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 673 with Tanya Sheckley. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 673. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Tanya Sheckley is founder and president of Up Academy, an elementary lab school which values innovation, empathy, and strength, and incorporates a unique neurodevelopment program for children with physical disabilities. Tanya's vision and mission show it's possible to celebrate differences, change what's broken in the American education system, and that all children can receive a rigorous, well-rounded education. She is the host of the Rebel Educator podcast. She's an edpreneur, an international speaker, and the author of her new book, Rebel Educator, Create Classrooms of Imagination and Impact. When I learned of Tanya's story, specifically the inspiration behind Up Academy, I was so excited and really, truly honored to have her come join us on the show. So listen in to hear Tanya share how and why she intentionally built a school around her daughter Eliza's legacy. She also will share Eliza's story of living with cerebral palsy. She'll share her journey of building international medical support around Eliza. She shares how she navigated advocating for Eliza's needs when Eliza was able to meet grade level expectations, but was not expected to. 
what it looks like and feels like and smells like inside Up Academy, the benefits of mixed age and mixed ability classrooms, examples of what accessible learning really looks like, the importance of having children with disabilities and children without disabilities learning alongside one another, and what she wants parents to know about parenting a child with disabilities. This is a special conversation I'm so excited to share with you. And I'm so just touched by the work that Tanya's doing. I think it's so critically important. And I think this episode is going to open everyone's eyes a little bit, which I think is so significant. So with all that, please join me in welcoming Tanya Sheckley to the Shameless Mom Academy. Tanya Sheckley, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm going to get people a little background. I like to let people know how I know folks. So you and I are in a mastermind together and we are both, I was going to say aspiring speakers. We're not aspiring. We are both speakers, (laughs) but we are aspiring to be speakers who have bigger, broader, deeper impact in the world. And that's, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) And so part of that is finding bigger platforms and having bigger conversations. And so that's part of what we're going to do today, but that's also what you do with your work. So you run a school that is totally geared toward having impact in the world in a really specific way. And we're going to get into all of that in just a minute. So before we do that, I'm going to start you off with our lead-in question. And I'm going to ask you to share a little bit about your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Mm, That's a great question. So my personal and professional life beyond my bio So I'm actually going to start in a really obscure place with that, with New Year's resolutions, which Mm. however you feel about New Year's resolutions, it's a thing that I love to at least once a year, sit down and say, what was I hoping to accomplish this year? And did I get through some of these things or not? Honestly, like I write them in December. I don't look at them again until the following December. So this isn't an ongoing thing, but one of my resolutions for my personal life was to go hiking at least once a month that I, it. it's really good for my soul to be around trees and around mountains. And I know that about myself, that that's where I rejuvenate. Now, part of living in the Bay area is because my husband rejuvenates at the ocean. So we need to be between the mountains <laughs> and the ocean, but that's on a personal level. Like I love to be outside. I need to move. I've really discovered that in order for me to be productive, I need to take those breaks where I'm in the trees, I'm in the woods, and there are no electronics. So I like to go places where I can't get cell coverage because that's the only way, honestly, that I'll really turn it off. Mm. But also that my body needs to move. And so I've completely revamped my personal schedule over the past two years to get up at five in the morning and go run or walk almost every morning. Because when I do that, everything else in my life keeps moving forward. And when I don't, I find a lot of stagnant energy. Oh, so I relate to that. So I'm a movement first thing in the morning person as well. I relate to that so deeply. I also think that um, it's so important that we know the things that, that we know the things that we need and we can identify them and then really intentionally make space for them. I love that. And then on a more professional level, you mentioned the school, our school was founded to create a methodology of inclusive education. And our vision has always been, how can we take that education once we have the methodology and share it with the world. And so we're at a point now where we're launching a new business framework. We're supporting founders to open new up academies in their own communities so that we can take what we've built and what we know about supporting a diverse group of learners and learning profiles and help students 
all over the world with that. So that's what I'm most excited about professionally. Such an incredible mission. I'm so excited to dig into these, the pieces all around the school. Okay. So I want to go right to Eliza. Your school is so intentionally built around the story of your daughter. Can you tell us about Eliza and tell us about the legacy of Eliza? Absolutely. Yeah. Our school is very intentionally built around student experience and built for students to be inclusive of students with physical disabilities. So my background was in business. I sold beer for almost 10 years. I never intended to open a school. I did not know this about you. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I sold beer. I, you know, if you would have asked me when I was 28, if I was having kids, I would have said, no, I don't like children. I was a snowboard (laughs) instructor who rarely worked with children. I taught only adults unless I had to teach the kids and they were super short staffed. Like my background is not in education is what I'm getting at. Oh my Um, gosh. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had children. And it was a very conscious decision to have children. I decided in my early 30s, that was something I wanted to do. And my daughter, Eliza, was born with cerebral palsy. And so when she was born, the doctors told us she didn't have a suck, swallow, or gag reflex. She was struggling you know, to eat. She needed a tube put in so that we could put food in her belly so that she could grow. She had surgery in the first week of her life or within the first two weeks of her life. Uh, a doctor sat us down at one point and told us that she would never be normal and that we needed to expect that from her life. So I'm not one to listen to authority figures as it may come out. My brand is the rebel educator. So we took everything that we had heard and we started doing our own research and our own investigation and trying to figure out how we could best support her. She had a small brain injury from before birth. We don't know what happened, but that's what was causing her cerebral palsy and her Mm -hmm. mobility challenges. And so we spent the first five years of her life really working with specialists all over the world. We found specialists here in the States and Philadelphia that we were working on different programs with. We found specialists in Austria that worked on G-tubes and feeding. We worked with our team at UCLA to help her development. And her neurology was out of UCLA at the time. We were in Southern California and did all of the research that we possibly could to help her reach her potential. And when it came to coming to school, we brought in so much of this stuff and said, hey, these are all the things that we know works. Here's what we'd like to see integrated into the school day. Here's how you can help her develop physically the best and gain independence while she's learning. And the school district said, "Um, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like, here's Mm -hmm. what we're required to do by law. And they handed us a phrase and a passage out of idea that quoted some other different legal frameworks that essentially said, You know, students with disabilities are allowed to be in the classroom and allowed accessibility to an education, but are guaranteed no specific level of education once they're there. And I had a little girl at this point who's five years old, who's super bright, who's curious, who's engaged, who's intuitive, who's social. And they're telling me that, yeah, she can come and she might get an education, but she might not. And we're not really required to do that. So it made me really angry. And I started to think, it was like, what if that was our benchmark for all of public education? Would any parent send their child to school if the school was saying, yeah, they can come and they might get an education? We're not really sure. Yeah. And I just felt like there had to be a better way. And so she did go to, she got into a lottery program in our town. 
Um, and she went to a really incredible parent participation program school where I learned a ton about project-based learning and about inclusion. Her teachers in kindergarten and first grade were wonderful, incredible, warm people who did their best to create the best learning environment for her and all of her peers. And watching how well project-based learning worked in that system and watching how well she was able to work with her peers and integrate and how well all the other kids accepted her. Like my fear as a parent sending her to school, I was terrified. I had a daughter who couldn't talk, who couldn't come home and tell me if something bad had happened, if kids were making fun of her, if she didn't understand something. Conversely, she also couldn't come back and tell me all of the wonderful things that happened and that she had great fun in art and that they you know, were able to swing on the swings in the playground with friends or whatever it was. Like She couldn't tell me all of these things. So I was terrified to send her. But after getting her into that environment and seeing how quickly she made friends... I knew that there was a way that we could do inclusive education where she could get all of those things that were going to help her to be independent, that the school pretty much said, yeah, we're, we're not going to do a lot of that, um, and also get an education and do it alongside a peer group where everybody really benefits. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? If you're among them, you are not alone. Thinning hair is normal, but it's not openly talked about, so it can feel lonely and frustrating and sometimes even embarrassing when you're going through it yourself. Join the over one million people who are doing something about their thinning hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over one million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder, so if you are a heavy shedder, or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself, and I know multiple other people who've used it and have found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% 
6% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol Women's Hair Growth Supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS. Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. You share Eliza's story in a post up on your website, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes because it's you shared some components of the story right here, but I think for parents with children who have disabilities or not for that matter, I think reading the, Eliza's full story is just really, really important and really powerful. And it gave me some perspective on what I loved about the post and this, what you shared about Eliza's story was all the things that made her just like everyone else, like being engaged and being curious and being so full of joy. And like all these things where as I'm reading through this, I'm like, of course you want to cultivate that and create more space for that and create space for her to connect around those gifts and those things that make her so uniquely her. Um, And so I think it's so important for parents of children with disabilities to be able to read Eliza's story and, and hear the story, um, in order to feel, because I'm sure somebody would feel connected to that. I also think it's so important for parents who don't have children with disabilities to see that side of every single child that they all, every single child has those pieces within them and they don't get honored in so many ways. When we look at, to your point, when we look at how the current system works or fails (laughs) to meet the needs of children who are atypical or just, you know, whether they're right outside the realm of quote unquote normal or like vastly outside that realm. I always put typical in quotes when I talk about typical kids, because there's no kid that's exactly like, there's no second grader that's in second grade reading level and a second grade math level and a second grade development level. And like that kid that we teach to doesn't exist because all of us have the span of, of humanity and of the way we learn and of the things we're good at and of our challenges. But back to your comment uh, about Eliza and coming into school and just all, you know, all of the traits that make her quote unquote normal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have a a story about the first day of kindergarten when we were walking into school and my girlfriend told me this story years later, Um, but we're walking in and Eliza could walk with some support and she wanted to walk into her first day of kindergarten. So she's standing in front of me and I'm holding her shoulders and she's walking in because she's a big girl now and she's super excited to go to school. And other parents were watching this and it just, she told me about this moment that she had that her daughter was ahead of kindergarten, ahead in quotes again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) kindergarten. She came in reading, she came in doing some math and they looked at my daughter and was like, I can't believe she's going to be in our class. She's going to hold everybody back. She's Mm -hmm. not going to be able to learn. It's going to be disruptive. And all of these things that went through her head, seeing someone different who was going to be in class with her daughter, who was ahead. And the interesting thing that happened is the two girls became best friends. Oh. So through being in class, through working together, through carpet time, and through finding out that they both loved Shopkins, like they both dressed up as Shopkins. Eliza was a Beverly Heel and Amelia was Wendy Wedding Cake one year, but they became best friends and 
after Eliza passed, her mom came and told me this story about how she felt the first day of kindergarten and how that changed over the next two years of school and seeing the girls together and realizing just how much we can learn and grow when we make space to see our similarities and understand our differences. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a story. Thank you for sharing that. So can you tell us, it sounds like Eliza had this somewhat magical kindergarten experience that you didn't necessarily expect based on kind of the district telling you like, well, we're not going to be able to stretch ourselves and meet these needs. First grade shifted. Can you talk about what happened in first grade? I can. I mean, first grade from a lot of ways was also a wonderful experience for her in the classroom. She had a wonderful teacher and had made so many friends and it was a small school. So many of the kids that were in her kindergarten class were in her first grade class and um, they were all friends. The, The difference really came when we went into her IEP meetings and started talking with the team about what we expected from her. And in kindergarten, her academic expectations were never in question. We expected her to do all the same work that all the other kids did. And we expected her to maintain at grade level with all the other kids. And we expected her to collaborate and problem solve with all the other kids. Um, Moving into first grade, one of the first questions was, when is she going to graduate? Because if you're in special education services, you can stay in school um, considerably later Mm -hmm. uh, and graduate with a certificate of completion versus finishing at a senior year at 17 or 18 years old. And so I looked at them and like, well, she's going to graduate when she's 17 and she's going to Stanford. Like, why is this a question? Yeah. Um, and we started to talk through more. And as they went through our IEP meeting and all of her other physical goals, they're like, well, there aren't any academic goals written. I'm like, well, no, because just like any other kid that goes to this school, the academic goals are all the same. We don't write academic goals for everyone. And so then it came up again as to whether they wanted to put her on a modified grading schedule. And so I had a little girl who in kindergarten was in, they did differentiated learning. They did a great job of all of that. And so she was in the top math class. She's doing three-digit math. She's reading at grade level. It's hard to say because she couldn't tell us exactly what she was reading, but based on everything that we would ask her after she would read a book, She was grasping all of the concepts and understanding what was happening. So she was reading at or above grade level. And then I have a full group of very qualified, very intelligent, well-meaning people wanting to put her on a modified grading schedule, which essentially would mean she'd get a certificate of completion at the end of high school instead of a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. And so she wouldn't be able to go to college. She would limit her job prospects because it's essentially just handing you a piece of paper that says, good job, you went to school for 12 years (laughs) instead of, wow, you've accomplished a high school education, right? Those, Those things are different. And so, yeah, I became even more disenchanted and frustrated and really began the work of talking to other parents and learning what experiences others were having. Uh, and if there was an interest in a new, a new way of doing things. So a couple of questions, cause I'm not quite sure where the story begins to diverge a bit. So as you're having this experience in first grade, are you already thinking like, do you want to go build your own school? And, or is that not until after Eliza passes that you are then really wanting to build your own thing? No, we were already thinking and talking about it. We got, so Eliza was in first grade in 2015 
Um, we got our 501c3 approval in December of 2015. Um, and then Eliza quite unexpectedly passed away in March of 2016 during her first grade year. And so that put all of our plans and projects on hold for quite a while as I couldn't function. (laughs) So I I needed time away and, and we quickly decided as a family, you know, we needed to make a pretty fast decision on whether pursuing the school was something that we were still interested in. And it became very clear that Eliza had taught us so much about, about herself, about disability, about education, and about ways that we could really make positive change for hopefully thousands of kids around the world, um, that with that calling, it just wasn't something that we could walk away from. And so I I didn't do any work on it for at least the next year, but it was still there and definitely something that we were dedicated to creating. And then we opened, our school actually opened its doors in the fall of 2018. So we are in the middle of our fourth year of operation. Wow. Was it as you were grieving, and I'm sure continue to grieve, was it healing for you to begin this process of opening up Academy? Yes. I'd say I hear a big button. I hear like a yes <laughs> and I'm trying yes, to, yeah. <laughs> yes, and so it is healing and it also in many ways continues to bring up the grief because I've put myself in a situation where she's here every day. Like I have her soccer Jersey on my wall in my office, reminding me why we're here. And I don't like, I don't have to do that, but we, you know, and there are things that bring up a stress response, right? You talk about a trauma and post-traumatic stress, Mm -hmm. um, but there's also trauma and post-traumatic growth. And Mm, I feel like those two things can, can happen and can live somewhat simultaneously. So there's definitely been, a lot of growth for me personally in building the school, in becoming a leader, in creating something that's new, in really kind of being a disruptor and a, a rebel in education. Because as I mentioned, my background isn't in education. Like it, it's pretty audacious to go and open a business somewhere that you have absolutely no experience and background. Yeah. And when we, <laughs> when we first met, I was like, first of all, that sounds really hard to open a school, like really, really hard. And then as I started hearing about your business through the different, the various calls we've been on in our mastermind together, my assumption, which I'm sure is many people's assumption was like, Oh, but she must've been a teacher first. <laughs> not someone who sells beer. (laughs) Um, So yes, it's a really audacious goal, no matter what, but also to not have the background is like, make just really like doubles down on the audaciousness. Yep. And actually because of my business background, that's one of the things I do because most of the people coming in and wanting to open schools are either parents like myself, um, but more commonly teachers and educators who also see another way of doing something differently. Um, and so I, I run a small course helping those educators understand the business side of what it means yeah. to open a school and run a business. Cause that's where my background is. Yeah. So tell us about Up Academy and how is Up Academy different and special? I think this piece is so important because I think that we make a lot of assumptions that education should look a certain way because it's always looked a certain way. And it's interesting when we consider education in different ways how many incredible outcomes we can create that wouldn't otherwise have come to fruition. Um, And as I watch, especially during COVID, 
how underserved children were in education in so many ways. I think that we are just like really expanding in our capacity to see education as a much wider spectrum. Um, but you were like ahead of the curve on all that. Like you were like prepared for COVID to be like, yeah, education can look like a lot of different things, not necessarily 25 kids sitting in rows of five in front of a teacher and all having the exact same, you know, criteria and expectations. So talk a little bit about how Up Academy is special and different. Yeah. Well, it's really built around the students. So it just from the way that we built and created the building, like we have a big mm-hmm. indoor play structure that's in the middle of our multi-use space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's developed for, it can be used for therapies, um, but it's really just for the kids to take brain breaks. It's for them to play on when they can't go outside in the rain. We use it for multi-sensory learning. Um, and so they're often doing phonics while jumping on a trampoline or reciting sight words in a poem while balancing on a balance board. Because when we make those connections between movement um, and thinking, it it really helps things to be sticky in the brain mm. and we understand them and they last longer. But from the moment you walk in the door, like it's clear that this is not the institution of school. When we think of, you know, our public school institutions, there's no tile floor. It doesn't smell of janitorial, (laughs) you know, the smell, like the school smell. (laughs) Yes. I didn't know there was a school smell until I went back and visited my elementary school. This was a number of years ago now, but like I walked in and I was like, oh my God, that's, it's like hospital smell. Like, like there's a smell that you don't even know is there until like you have time and distance and you go back and you're like, oh my God. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So some of our educators use diffusers in their room. It might smell of lavender. It might smell, you know, of, of citrus, depending on what they're trying to create in their classroom at that moment. Um, Students have all flexible seating. So there's no rows of desks. There aren't desks at all. There are tables, there are lap desks, there are swivel chairs, there are bouncy seats. Um, There's, you know, clipboards so that they can sit on the floor in whatever fashion they want. They can sit at the table using whatever chairs they want they choose every day how and where they want to sit and have their bodies feeling that day. Um, There's peace corners. So we work a lot in social emotional development. So understanding our own emotions and what we need in that moment to self-regulate. So if I come in from recess and I'm too excited because I was running around and I was playing soccer and I won and I can't focus on anything else other than the fact that I scored the winning goal, (laughs) then maybe I go sit in the peace corner for a few minutes so that I can relax and bring myself down to a place where I'm ready to learn. Um, Mm. And so there's these spaces in every classroom where students can self-regulate. We're helping to build self-awareness and also building to build, working to build relationships between students. So how, you know, how does, how I'm feeling affect how someone else might be feeling? How does what I say affect the way someone else feels in that moment or feels about me, or how does that make them feel? Um, So working through all of these things as social emotional development as well. Um, And then with mixed age classes, it also helps support that development because sometimes the older kids in the class can help to work with some of the younger kids. A lot of times an educator will create like a class problem solver and that role will move as a class job would move around students. But before you go find an adult, like, is this a kid problem? Is this an adult problem? Mm. Um, can a kid help you? You know, is it a kid problem, but you can't solve it? Can another kid help you solve it um, before we go find an adult? And sometimes that's as simple as there's not a pencil in my pencil box. And, you know, another kid helper can go grab a pencil out of the pencil bin on the other side of the room and bring it back where maybe you didn't see it or forgot it was there or, <laughs> you know, whatever the reason might be. Um, 
So little things like that, but really, really focusing on the sense of community, focusing on a variety of ways to learn things. Because right, the goal is the goal is the learning, and the goal is the understanding of skills and knowledge. We don't have to sit in five rows of five to learn and understand skills and knowledge. And in fact, there's a lot of research out there that says we learn better when we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we create those student-centered experiences where they're learning in really fun and unique ways? I love, oh my gosh. I know there's so many parents right now that are like, okay, so can my kid just go there tomorrow? <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds like an incredible learning environment. And I love, so you mentioned um, mixed age classrooms. I also know that the school is mixed. And I mean, it goes without saying that like every school is mixed ability, but you're really conscientious around mixed ability in terms of having children with disabilities learning alongside children who don't have disabilities. Is that correct? And can you explain what that looks like? Cause you, we haven't even gotten to the part that you have other children and, and they, and they, and <laughs> I they do. Are, students at Epic Academy, correct? They are. Yes. She's my middle daughter will be our first fifth grade graduate this year. One of our first fifth grade graduates. Oh my gosh first class. Um, and my son is here as well. He's a second grader. Yeah. And they're both much closer to typical learners. Um, but our school does support a wide variety of learners for students with physical disabilities. We have a full neurodevelopment program that's led through conductive education. That's fully integrated into the classroom. Um, and so our educators work with conductors to make sure that all of the lessons are accessible. And then our conductors are continually working on, um, independence and physical strength with students throughout the day too. So essentially, instead of a student in a wheelchair being wheeled into class and being a part of that class and then wheeled back out, which is often what happens in inclusion, a student might be, you know, if they have the ability, they might be walking into class with support and then sitting down in a chair and working with their group. And when they need to go to the bathroom, they're standing up and walking to the bathroom instead of being wheeled across. Like we're using every opportunity that we can to integrate that building of strength and independence into everyday activities where often within the school day, that's the piece that's lost. And so that's part of what the neurodevelopment program looks like, you know, because we have small class sizes, because we're such a small school, because we have such a focus on project-based learning, we really find it works well for a wide variety of learners. So we do have a lot of different learning profiles in the school, um, roughly, roughly 40% of our students would be eligible for an IEP in a public school setting. Um, and we find that because our classes naturally have so many accommodations for students, that the special education support just really isn't needed within the school day. That's, which is really incredible that you are, I was talking with a friend um, who has a son on the autism spectrum, and she was talking about accommodating for different kinds of learning in the classroom. And she was giving some really specific examples around like teaching, telling things like telling how to tell time. And she's like, there's some really simple things you can do that can be done like universally that would help a child on the autism spectrum that just aren't being done. (laughs) And she's like, so many people would benefit from this, like this level of kind of rethinking, just teaching really traditional things. 
Um, like it doesn't take that much to make a really big difference and to give everyone in the classroom success. And it sounds like you're really building in really as a natural part of the program in an intentional, but so an intentional and natural part of the program, you're building in this, all these uh, means of learning that are so accessible that then you don't have to think about, okay, now how do we meet this person's need on this? Because you've already built in, um, accessibility for that need as a organic part of the program. You make it sound really easy, and that's <laughs> please, yes, that's please, definitely a <laughs> please, please definitely uh, correct me, like fill in the holes, because I also don't want to dismiss that it's a really, really hard process. Yeah, it, it's a really hard process, and it takes really dedicated educators who are willing to do that and to yeah. relearn their way of teaching or to learn how to teach in that way. But you're also going to say relearning, unlearning, right? It's probably like so many things like unlearning and then relearning, um, which is a a huge commitment. Yeah. But you're also not wrong. There are so many things that we can do and just ways that we can tweak the way that we teach things every day. That is a universal way of teaching that suddenly a student who's on the autism spectrum or a student with ADHD or a student with dyslexia suddenly is getting that because you've you know, you've described it in three different ways. You've shown it visually, you've had them actually manually touch it. You have a visual timer so they know how long it takes and they don't necessarily have to read the clock. They can just look at the timer. You know, you have an area for them to take a break if they need to. You have noise canceling headphones in the class. So if it does get too overwhelming for a student, they can still be there and be in that space, but they don't necessarily need to hear what you're saying because they might be working on something independently. They can just put those headphones on and now that space is safe for everyone. There's so many, and the flexible seating is another piece of it. Like some kids need to wiggle, they need to move, they need to swivel. And some kids like to bounce and some kids like to spin and having a kid on a seat where they can bounce, like doesn't affect or take away anyone else's education, but allows them to get the education that they're there to receive. So there's, I mean, there's lots of little things that we can do, but part of it also goes back to society's acceptance of neurodiversity (laughs) is at the beginning, like understanding Mm -hmm. that we do all do things differently and we do all learn slightly differently. And there's, you know, ways that we learn better and ways that we don't learn as well. And so if we can create those experiences, it's better for everyone but also in the way that we we train and support teachers and create professional development opportunities that really promote an understanding of how to add these incremental things into the classroom. Because it often becomes a, well, that's special education and I'm general education, or I don't need to learn how to do this because they know how to do that. But when we can share all of that knowledge, we can become better for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. You've mentioned project-based learning a couple different times, and I want to just touch on that and what that is, what that means, and what it looks like, because I think this is actually something I've been, I've heard this referenced outside of this conversation as well. Um, So I feel like we all need to learn a little bit more about this. (laughs) Yeah, it's a term that's thrown around a lot. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. To us, there are many activities often that make up a project. I think a lot of times an educator will do a mystery science and be like, oh, I did project-based learning today. Like, well... Yes, you did an activity that was hands-on with your students that taught a concept, but that's not a full like project-based learning unit the way that we look at it. So we have we have some students working on independent projects. And we had a student the other day say to her teacher, 
Um, well, last year we didn't do any projects. We just researched that stuff and wrote about it and then drew pictures and did some art about it and did a protest march around it. And then we <laughs> shared it with our parents, but that wasn't a project. And she's like, no, she's like, oh we didn't gosh. really learn anything, but like, no, that, that was the point that you didn't necessarily feel like you were learning that right. it was fun, but that was a big project. You just like, like fully defined project-based learning. <laughs> exactly. From the mouth of an eight-year-old who is now oh working gosh. on her own project and trying to figure out, you know, how to do it and put it together. So that's, yeah, we look at it from an overarching theme. Our school chooses three themes a year. Our educators come together and choose those. And then each educator builds their own project. And so our projects are anywhere from eight to 12 weeks long. They're cross-curricular. So as a base, we add in our social justice, humanities, and science standards are all done through project-based learning. And then educators may also draw in some ELA and some math into those project areas, depending on what they're studying and what that looks like. Um, but yeah, they're going through the different areas of research, of understanding, of knowledge, of exploring the different topics and ideas within a concept. And then there's always area in our project for student interest and the things that really got them excited within that area or theme of knowledge. So they can move and study kind of their own, own thing within that. Um, a good example was the end of our change makers unit um, last year where our older students did stop motion claymation. And so they're all, you know, building with clay. They're all learning stop motion video. They're all learning how to build a timeline, but each of them got to choose their own change maker in history. Mm. And so it, it ranged everywhere from Kamala Harris to Jackie Robinson to Ayad Badir um, and the people that they were really interested in the parts of history they were really interested in, but they're still learning the same skills. Yeah. Um, so there's that area for student interest and student agency within the projects that educators create. But we really look at it as, yeah, a way to build skills and gain knowledge in a real hands-on and real world transferable way. Mm -hmm. I love it. This episode is supported by Air Doctor. You probably don't know that Americans take in about 20,000 breaths per day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors. The indoor air that we breathe can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air, according to the EPA. Indoor air pollutants can cause upper respiratory symptoms like sneezing, coughing, congestion, scratchy throat, and even more serious health problems like lung and heart disease. So what's the solution? Introducing Air Doctor, the air purifier that filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so your lungs don't have to. This includes allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I am so excited that we just got our own Air Doctor for our house, and we will have it all up and running and ready to go in time for all the things that come with spring weather, but also smoke season, which is just around the corner for those of us in the Pacific Northwest. And I know many of you across the country. So here's how you can get your own Air Doctor. First of all, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS and you'll receive up to $300 off of air purifiers. Exclusive to our podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to airdoctorpro, A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS. That's airdoctorpro.com, code SHAMELESS. 
This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing. And they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Can you talk a little bit about why it's so important and a crucial part of the UP Academy's mission to have children with disabilities and children without disabilities in the same environment? Can, you know, that's our core mission. And we've seen the emotional development from both groups of students, from all students, um, when we work across differences. Uh, It allows us to look at you know, if we are working on a project and building a project together, okay, well, where, where do we need to sit so the student can join us? How do we need to arrange our materials so that everybody can touch them and feel them and they can be accessible? You know, we built garden boxes outside as a part of our project. And, you know, the easy way to build garden boxes is to make frames on the ground. Well, our students with physical disabilities who are in walkers can't bend over and reach those plants. So how do we make that accessible? Um, and so from a, a universal design standpoint, it just adds that layer of understanding the needs of others and how can we create this so that it works for everyone, not just that it works for me. And so having that from a design standpoint has been really unique and interesting to watch the students all really learn to take care of each other because yeah. that's what it really comes down to, right? That's why it matters because we care about other people being able to have the same learning experiences in this case as ourselves. And so when we show that care through our outward actions, through making things accessible, through having that thought process, through understanding others, um, it's it just... I mean, our hope is that it helps to build a whole generation of thoughtful leaders who see the capabilities and possibilities in every human they encounter. That was such a beautiful answer with such uh, powerful examples, because 
That's exactly what I was thinking. As you were saying this, I'm thinking, so the six-year-old with no physical disabilities is now being thoughtful about this over the course of however many years and thoughtful about how everyone in the room can access everything. What does that look like when that six-year-old is then 46 and sitting at the head of a boardroom table and making sure that everyone in this boardroom is being you know, their job is being positioned in an accessible way and that they're building a company in an accessible way and that they're making space for everyone at the table in all sorts of different, you know, social, emotional ways on top of, you know, phys- uh, physical space. And so I think that the significance of that learning environment is so incredibly special and, and important. And also what if that could be the norm? Yeah. What if that could be the norm? Be so exciting. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, then like, if that could be the norm, then like, would I even have a speaking career anymore? (laughs) Like like I wouldn't have to go in places to be like, Hey, so as it turns out, there's people that don't have the, that are underrepresented and that don't have the same voice and that don't, don't feel heard and don't feel accommodated for. I'm like, what if that just didn't exist? Like it would change things so much. Um, and it just, it really speaks to how important the work is that you're doing at Up Academy. Piggybacking off that, what do you wish every parent could know about parenting a child with disabilities? I mean, the obvious is it's really hard. Like <laughs> parenting any child is really hard. Um, but when you add in all of the regular parenting things, plus all of the other things that go along with parenting a child with special needs um, or with disabilities, it, it's a whole it's like adding a whole basket of rocks onto your already piled full basket of clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes quite literally, because there's just lots of stuff you have to carry around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, going anywhere with Eliza, there was a whole extra bag of things and medical equipment and extra clothes and stuff that I just don't have to carry for my other two children. Mm. Um, an example, like a very real world example is after we used to go to the children's museum quite frequently. Um, and I was always very hands-on with Eliza because I'd have to be her support to help her walk around, to help her touch all the things, to help her stand so that she could reach all the things all the other kids could reach because she couldn't reach them from sitting in a chair. So I was always with her. I was always a part of the exhibits. I was always interacting and engaging with everything that was there. And after Eliza passed, I went with my other two kids and they're running around and engaging and doing their kid thing. And they don't need me that same way. Right. And so I looked around the museum and I realized there are parents sitting on benches mm-hmm. all the way, like around the edges of the museum. Like there's sp- thoughtful spots for parents and adults to sit. Mm-hmm. I never knew the museum had benches. I had wow. never sat on one of them. I wasn't aware that like other parents were there sitting on them. <laughs> like that, that's just a very tangible, like, you know, example of the extra work that goes into parenting a child with disabilities. Yeah. But I think the most important thing to remember, and it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation is all the ways that they're similar. Like uh, Eliza was super social. She wanted to make friends. She wanted to play with other kids. She was super intelligent, very observant. There was nothing that she didn't notice. Um, And so understanding that, that 
that's just like any other kid. And it's okay to go over and say, hello. In fact, it's encouraged, Mm -hmm. you know, it's okay to go and ask to play. It's okay to go and share materials. You know, they're just like every other kid and they want to belong and they want to make friends and they want that human connection as much as any other human does. Um, Also understanding that that's super uncomfortable for a lot of parents, because that's not the way, definitely it's not the way I was raised Mm -hmm. and it's not the way most of us were raised. And short, quick story. We now have a dog who's an ambassador in our school who's disabled. So our dog, he's a little Chihuahua mix. He's paralyzed in his back legs and he uses a little wheelchair to get around. So having a child in a wheelchair, it was pretty infrequent that someone would come over, would ask her to play, would ask about her disability or what the best way is to interact. And these are all perfectly valid questions. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because it's much better to have someone come over and ask like, what is the best way to interact and play with you than not playing with you at all? Like that. Um, But with a dog, people will come over like, oh, he's so cute. What happened? Like, what's wrong with him? How did it happen? And while those aren't necessarily appropriate questions for a human, um, it does open that conversation. And suddenly we're talking about different abilities and we're talking yeah. about, you know, I, I'm not sure the dog knows he's disabled. He's the happiest dog ever. <laughs> like he always has a smile on his face. And so just talking about that, like his, his ability doesn't, that's not his personality, right? And his ability isn't his attitude and, and making those connections is so important. I love that story. And oh my goodness. Now I want to meet the dog. What's the dog's name? His name is Harold. Harold. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I want to come Actually. meet Harold. I have Harold. The Oh, I'm seeing a picture of Harold right now. Oh my goodness. Harold looks is. like he could be related to Piper. So this, yeah, I had a mom do a watercolor for me for teacher oh. appreciation week and she's amazingly talented, but yeah, that's Harold. Oh my goodness. So for those of you, cause you're not able to see on see video here, but um, Harold and Piper are definitely related. They're definitely cousins. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Eliza, before we wrap, I want to share a little bit of the back end of this conversation. Before we started to record, I was telling you that I was really looking forward to having this conversation and I wanted to hold space and honor what it takes for you to show up and talk about Eliza and Eliza's legacy. And you said that you were excited and you also knew that you would be depleted at the end of this, because that's just what it's like when you talk about a child that is no longer here or no longer physically here. So thank you so much for all the ways that you've shared Eliza's legacy and shared what education can look like and what learning can look like when we are really thoughtful and intentional about how we build systems that support kids. And, um, I just, I think that the work that you're doing is it's really important work. And I'm so grateful that you came here to share what you're doing with education, but of course, more importantly, Eliza's story behind that, because I know that this story is going to, in this conversation is going to really impact other families, um, whether they have children with physical disabilities or children who are, um, neurodiverse or children who are in quotes, typical or normal, but want to be really conscientious of how we're just always being thoughtful around how we act toward other people in society and in culture and in our education system. And then of course, well beyond that as well. So thank you for all of that. My last question for you is how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Shameless and being a rebel, I think are so closely (laughs) intertwined (laughs) that, you know, 
I wouldn't be where I am if I wasn't a mom. If I hadn't had children, if I didn't have the amazing husband that I have, I wouldn't be able to do any of this work. Um, and so I think having that, I'm going to call it a platform, but a, like a secure base to be able to stand on and launch from um, has allowed me to really challenge the status quo, to challenge the things that were happening in the world when I thought that I I saw that I thought there could be a better way. And so that's that's what I think of when I use the term rebel is, is that how do you stand up and challenge the status quo mm-hmm. and talk about the things you believe in and share ideas for disrupting and really making positive change. And so much of that is also just showing up shamelessly with what you believe in and putting it out into the world and doing the best that you can to make it create the vision that you seek. I love it. I'm laughing also because we're in the middle of revamping, which by the time this interview goes live, hopefully this website will be live, but we're revamping the shameless mom Academy website. And on the homepage, the very top of the screen is that we are moms who are challenging the status quo. So I love that you <laughs> just put that right in there. That's, <laughs> You're welcome. Um, that's well aligned <laughs> with our branding, our new branding. So thank you. <laughs> Um, okay. So Tanya, tell people where they can find you, connect with you, um, learn more about up Academy, all the good stuff. Great. Um, up Academy, you can learn more about the school on our website, which is upacademysf.com. Our rebel educator programming, um, and the podcast and the new book that's coming out, uh, can be found on rebeleducator.com. Uh, and I'm very active on LinkedIn. Probably one of the easiest ways to connect with me is through LinkedIn. Um, and I'm just Tanya Sheckley on there. Um, also any email through either one of those other websites comes to me (laughs) also, we're still a pretty small school. So I I see everything. Nice. Okay. I will link everything in the show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Tanya Sheckley, we'll have everything linked up right there for you. What's, what's the name of the book? Rebel Educator, Perfect. Classrooms of Impact and Imagination. And is the book, so the book is for teachers or for educators? The book was written definitely with teachers and educators in mind. There's a lot of stories of classroom teachers and of experiences and project-based learning in there. Um, But it's really, it's done thoughtfully for anyone really who has, you know, been a teacher, wants to be a teacher, has had a teacher, has a child who has a teacher, <laughs> has been in a classroom. Um, it's just chock full of different ideas and, and ways of doing things, you know, with creativity and to create impact in the world. Perfect. So I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. So people can go and get the book um, on top of everything else. Oh my goodness, Tanya, thank you. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for sharing everything you're doing with Up Academy. And most importantly, thank you for sharing not, I was going to say a little bit of Eliza. You shared more than a little bit of Eliza, but thank you for sharing Eliza with us so that we can all carry her legacy with us as well. Um, I'm so grateful for you and all the work you're doing. And I can't wait to hear more as we get to continue to get to know each other in our mastermind. I feel like now we have, I have like the inside track to Tanya's world. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation.
thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.